Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Internet of Things podcast. I am your host, Stacey Higginbotham, and here is my co-host, the wonderful... Kevin Toffel. I love surprising Kevin. I'm just like... Yeah, I, I'm... Ne- I never know what you're going to say. I just know I just say my name. I just read the cue cards. Kevin waits for... He's like, awkward pause. That's me. Kevin Toffel. Like, is she talking to me? Oh, there is nobody else to talk to on this show. One day I'm just going to surprise him. I'm going to be like, and the founder of Apple? And he's going to be like, oh. Kevin Toffel. And be like, no, <laughs> eh, eh, sorry. No, no, no. All right. Speaking of Apple, Kevin mm. got a present in the mail today. He's waving it around like you guys can see it. Kevin, Kevin, this is a podcast. I know, I know. You can see it, though. And isn't this pretty? It's the 38 millimeter Apple Watch in space gray aluminum with black sports band. Yeah, I've only had it for an hour. Um, I've already noticed a couple things, though. Uh, I know I've talked about the watch from going to the launch events. And I think I said, oh, yeah, it worked really fine, really quick, everything else. It's not quite as quick in real life. Those canned demos are uh, canned for a reason, I think. I'm not saying it's like super sluggish, but it's noticeably slower at certain things. So, um, I am shocked. I mean, shocked. 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 That Apple may have. have may have manipulated its demos. <laughs> well, I mean, it, they're not the only company to do so by any means. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's again, it's not slow, but it's slower. Uh, it's also interesting, the few apps that I've put on here, literally while, just before the, the show started, I put the Dark Sky app, which I absolutely love because it like pinpoints to the minute when you're going to have precipitation of some kind. Uh, I was using the app and, you know, going through the screens and there's a there's a, a lag. You, you swipe and you have to wait a second because it's got to get its data from your phone. So there's uh, some interesting aspects to it here very interesting aspects to it here and and as i had said to stacy again before the show i'll share this with everybody there's a lot going on here from a user interface uh standpoint and stacy was it uh, one or two shows ago you had somebody on there talking about the uh, user interface challenges it was last week we had mark mm-hmm. ralston who was the he's the chief creative officer of argo design and this man knows ui so he was he was saying that he felt that one, that there was a lot to learn, but two, he felt that the Apple Watch spends a lot of time conserving battery and that's kind of affected. It affects the user experience to the user's detriment. Mm-hmm. And I think I understand where he was going because as I get notifications in from my connected iPhone, you know, if you don't take action on them right away, they kind of disappear in like one or two seconds. And now you're like, well, where did it go? How do I get it back? Uh, you just turn off the screen because you want to save battery life. I get that. But, you know, which of these two buttons do I press, turn, tap, or do I touch the screen? Do I swipe? I mean, there's a learning curve involved. I'm not, I'm trying, not trying to dismiss this as a product that's too complex or difficult to use. Time will tell, but it's not clearly not to me a product that you're going to take out of the box and in an hour or two or four even really have a good understanding of how to navigate around through all the glances, the notifications, the apps, the friends bit where you have your favorite people showing so you can quickly send them a text or a call. Uh, so there's, there's a lot going on. That, that, that's probably the best way to say it. I was going to say, to be fair, mm-hmm. not that I'm not trying to throw this out here to get on the Apple train or the watch train, but even my Pebble, I still mess up and hit the wrong button to go forwards or backwards. It's just, it's mm-hmm. tough to navigate on a small screen when you have limited options and different buttons that you're not used to. 
And that's it right there. You know, we were trying to cram a lot of interaction into a small device. And there's multiple touch points, uh, no pun intended. There's, you know, the, the touch screen itself that you can you can tap. You can also press down even harder for the force press to do something else. You've got the dig digital crown to spin around, but it also functions as a button. You've got another button. You've got voice interaction. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on here. And again, because of the battery management, some of these things don't even work when the screen is not active. Right now, the screen is inactive. So if I were to say, hey, Siri, nothing happens. If I lift up my wrist, now, now it's in active mode and hey, Siri would do something. Uh, interestingly, you and I just tested a phone call, which I was a little skeptical on how it would work, but I've done two phone calls now. The one I just did with you, I initiated by saying, hey, Siri, call Stacy, and it went right through, and then it's just a Bluetooth handset to my phone. It was, it was kind of neat. It was simple. It was quick. It was, and you had your watch probably, what, a foot from your face, and it sounded, it sounded like you were far away, but it was no worse than taking a call from someone who's in their car or something like that. Right. I, th I would say it's more like a speakerphone type experience. And if you're in a quiet environment, like I was in my home office talking to my son as soon as the watch arrived, uh, he was on the school bus actually coming home. He could hear me just fine. I could hear him just fine because I was in my quiet office. If I was out and about, for one thing, I don't really want people hearing my conversation. But two, I probably wouldn't be able to hear him so well. So. So again, only an hour with it. I'm not going to say too much like, yeah, you got to have it or no, don't buy one. Uh, maybe we can revisit that. We're totally going to revisit that because I actually sent Kevin some homework, more homework, some homework since he refuses to install <laughs> his Insteon system. I sent him some uh, some remedial work. I, I sent him some hue bulbs. So hopefully he'll install those and he can play with, you know, some connected devices with his watch and we'll get him to to test out kind of what it feels like to talk to a watch or to get notifications on the watch and play with that. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, you're giving me uh, summer school homework already, but in my defense, I, I'm literally, I've been taking my comp sci class at night school. So that's over this week. So I have no more excuses. I will get the hue installed, the, the bulbs, I will get the Instagram installed and I will play with the watch as these things all connect. Yes, because the threat is what? That I'm going to fire you from the podcast, Kevin. <laughs> I, I won't do it. Um, so other big news in the kind of smart home front is that Comcast, Comcast, which most people probably think of as the cable company that did not get a chance to buy Time Warner and make more more Americans lives possibly miserable. We'll just <laughs> we'll just go with it. Everybody hates the cable company. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm sorry, Comcast. But they have a connected home and home automation product called Xfinity Home. In their earnings call this week, they said that they have actually 500,000 subscribers, which is a really mm. good number. That is a, a lot start. of people. That's a good start. Yeah. ADT Pulse probably has a bit more. Um, they haven't actually released numbers, but I'm pretty confident that they're or more. I feel like alarm.com probably has about a million is what they've said. So good start for them. And today, Brian Roberts, the CEO of Comcast, showed off at the cable show nine new partners for their business. And those partners include Nest, the makers of the smart thermostat that we all know and love, August Smart Locks, Automatic, which makes a, a connected dongle for your automotive diagnostics port in your car, Cuff, which actually I don't think is out yet, but it's a connected, it's a piece of connected jewelry that acts as a notification device for your hmm. 
phone. It's it's for women and a activity tracker. And it's pretty. It's it's actually very pretty. Lutron Lighting. Woo! Shout out to my favorite lighting company. Leo, we've talked about them on the show before. They're the connected night light that also doubles as a way to hear. It listens for your smoke detector and then sends you a notification if it goes off. Mm. So it kind of is a way to retrofit your smoke detectors for the smart smart home, which is a smart idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes Ratio, the Wi-Fi connected sprinkler system. Skybell, the connected doorbell that lets you see who's at your door. Mm-hmm. Woo woo. And Whistle, the activity tracker for dogs. Yay. Yay. So all of those companies are going to be available and work with Comcast's Xfinity Home System. And I think this is brilliant for Comcast and mm-hmm. also for these startups. So Jason Johnson, the CEO of August, you know, told me that this was a no-brainer for his company because sure. Comcast has massive marketing muscle. Comcast is going to market the heck out of all these startups through, actually, I think it's a little over 21 million subscribers across the U.S., and they pass a lot more homes. So they send out mailers all the time. And can you oh, imagine yeah. Can you imagine getting your, your cool connected device in, featured in one of those? That's awesome for them. There's a lot of reach here for, for these startups in terms of Comcast marketing, as you said, subscriber base, and so on. Um, and what I like on the flip side is Comcast isn't just saying, we've got a home automation service that we can offer you, and here's a switch, and here's a door lock. There's a wide range of products there, which I really like. So it's a smart smart play. Exactly. And later this year, Comcast is going to open up an SDK, a software development kit for other companies who want to get in on the Comcast ecosystem. And this is this is nothing but good for Comcast because they've had kind of a lot of these older devices, but it's been very closed as an ecosystem. And mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, they've got to support all these customers who I mean, these aren't DIY customers. These are customers who are calling up Comcast. Mm -hmm. You're calling up your cable provider and saying, I really want this smart home stuff. You're not the kind of customer that's going to be like like me, who's going to spend hours, Mm -hmm. you know, playing and tweaking with stuff. And and as another DIY person, I'm typically not a fan of uh, these companies that will provide monitoring services and such for a fee when I know I can do this myself. And But you know what? I, I realize that you and I, we're definitely in the minority here, that the way for this market to grow is through this type of approach. So I think it's good for both sides, you know, the DIY people, because it will eventually bring more products to the market. And then for the people who don't want to deal with the complications and stuff, it brings, you know, a simple way for them to have their, their services monitored. Comcast, so so Comcast is providing this basically as a service then? They are. So what they do is mm-hmm. typical kind of service business model. Comcast sends out installers. Now, right now, they will not install. Between these... the hours of two and five or, no, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> There's like a four hour window <laughs> that they may or may not make. No. Okay. Sorry. So they, they have installers who do their, their current lineup. They don't install the new products yet. Mm-hmm. The plan is eventually they will, which is another great thing for these companies because some people find installing a Nest or an August lock intimidating. My, my guess is they'll subcontract a lot of that out. And it's here's an interesting tidbit. I actually was almost an installer, a consultant-type installer for Comcast modems way back in the day. Oh, well, Kevin, you could get in on this now and do quite well for yourself, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, they, I'll t- back in the day, it was something like $100 for an install. 
And this this goes back to the 90s. Wow. Of course, yeah. and wasn't that like there was a company, it was actually here in town, Motive Communications. They lived mm-hmm. in Austin. They actually like totally killed that business by doing a self-automatic install. Mm-hmm. Okay. Telecom trivia for you guys. <laughs> they were now bought by Alcatel Lucent. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So Comcast will come out. They put all this stuff in and then you pay, you sign up for like a two-year contract. And if you- How much? It depends. <laughs> it always depends. It always depends. And there's fine print and there's fees. Um, the basic is if you just want to do like the DIY stuff, there's like a package that gets you like the hub. It gets you a dorm like one open closed sensor, one camera or a thermostat, uh, I think a lighting unit and some other stuff for 20 bucks a month. Um, and with a two year contract, they do all the all the gear comes, you know, as part of it. And then there's a monitor. There's two levels of monitor security. Mm-hmm. The cheaper version costs $40 a month. And that has, let's see, three doors, a touchscreen controller, fancy, one motion sensor, and a wireless keypad. And then there's a $50 a month one that has like just more, just more stuff. And both of those are monitored 24-7. And they have like a different level of insurance and assurance associated with them. Mm-hmm. And those are professionally installed. There is a DIY installation option on the cheaper version mm-hmm. if you want. Or you can have the Comcast people come out and install it. And that's an additional like 100 bucks. Okay. Not so, terrible. Not terrible. It's it's not. I mean, it just depends on how you view your time. And then you could buy additional sensors and stuff like that from them. And I don't know how their pricing works on that stuff. Well, now I know what the pinging iPhone bit on the Apple Watch does. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, we're keeping that in here, Kevin. Now, <laughs> now we that. know what that sound is. All right. So, so that's the Comcast news. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think it signals also... The home automation market's going mainstream. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're getting there. Tell your friends. They should be totally listening to the show. They could be even smarter. And next in the big news, let's talk about everybody's favorite gadget, or maybe it's just mine, the Amazon Echo. I think it's just yours. And now I'm kicking myself that I didn't get in on it for $99. If you can believe this, I've actually just reapplied for an invite to buy the Amazon Echo, and I'm going to pay $149 for it because of my stupidity, I guess. But here's what got me interested in it all of a sudden. I saw on the If This Then That blog over the weekend, they have introduced the Amazon Alexa channel. It's funny that they're calling it the Amazon Alexa channel when it's really Amazon Echo, but I, I guess I get it. So basically, you can now connect your Echo to up to, it was 116, and it's now 117 channels. So you can set up trigger events with if this, then that, and have things happen when you talk to Alexa. But there's a bit of a caveat, as uh, Stacy explained to me right before the show. So it's a bit limited. And you basically, when you create an if this, then that channel, you get what's called triggers. And the triggers are the way that you kind of create your recipe. They're the things that, they're the... They're an event. Yeah, they're an event. They're they're the if this or the that part. So Mm -hmm. for Alexa, the if this is all shopping list related. So Alexa has two features that you can do that are kind of neat. And basically you can, via voice, add things to a shopping list. So I walk around and I'm like, oh, 
Alexa, add wrapping paper to my shopping list. Or Alexa, add make a doctor's appointment for my daughter to my to-do list. Those are actually the only triggers right now that the If This Then That channel allows. So anything you want to do with Alexa, you have to do it through those, which has created some crazy <laughs> hacks. Yeah. So there, yeah. there are really useful ones, actually, around the to-do list. Like, beforehand, your to-do list and your shopping list actually only appeared in Amazon's app, which was a stupid place for them because... I don't know about you, but I don't create my grocery list in, in Amazon. Um, I created, But they would like you to, trust me. Yes, they would. They're really working hard <laughs> on that. But, you know, my grocery list is actually, it's actually on a piece of paper. But let's pretend I do it in Evernote. Mm -hmm. Now I can actually just send all of that and meld it with my grocery list on Evernote, which is cool. It is. So it that, is. that could be happening all the time in the background, and that's amazing. That is cool. But then there's the smart home aspect. And... What you did, Stacey actually shared her screen with me uh, before the show and showed me how to create a recipe to control her nest with the Alexa. So explain that one. Sure. So if I wanted to create a recipe to make my nest, it's a little bit, it's it's super hacky. No, no sane person would actually do this. I would have to decide that my to-do list would no would be mostly useful, most useful as controlling my nest. And I would say, if I ask... Alexa, what's on my to-do list? It's going to set my temperature for my nest. And so whenever I'd say, Alexa, what's on my to-do list? My recipe would automatically turn my nest to 75 degrees. Or whatever you configured it in the recipe. But that's the key. You can only configure it to one temperature. Right. So, so it's super, super hacky here. It's super hacky. It's super limited. And it's the same thing for any other smart home device I'd want to use. And because there's only probably, there's about nine triggers. And that because they're all equally hacky, you'd have to remember, like, if I wanted it to be, like, setting it to 75 degrees, or if I wanted to use smart things to turn off a series of lights, I'd have to remember that, like, if I'm asking what's on my to-do list, that controls my nest. If I'm saying add to my to-do list, that controls my living room lights. And that's not, just stupid. Not logical. Yeah, not not logical at all. But it's a start. I give, you know, I give them some credit for figuring out how to do this. And we know that the SDK for, um, I was going to say Alexa, for the Echo came out, I want to say February or late February, early March. Um, it's early days yet. And I think once that is official and makes some progress, Maybe we'll see more trigger events or just better integration. I expect so. Amazon's got to approve these. They're being very careful about it. I know a lot of people have apps in the works right now, and some of them seem really cool. So I'm I'm really excited. So far, so far, it's great. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this. You probably didn't see this because you're not using an Echo. But they added the ability to talk to it and ask it about sports scores. So mm -hmm. my husband's walking through all the time asking, you know, Alexa, how are the Cardinals doing today? Or the St. Louis Cardinals. Sorry, yes, they're, they're not, not my Arizona Cardinals. Not your Arizona Cardinals. I knew you were going to get a dig in there. Go ahead. Keep going. It wasn't a dig. It was a <laughs> factual clarification there. Oh, right. I mean, if I had said the real Cardinals, that would have been a dig. Ah, yes, there we go. Uh, so it, it's just, it's getting better. It's very exciting. It is, it is. And they just added, and I know we talked about it in the past one or two shows, they've added official support for Wemo and some other things. So it's it's 
it's starting to intrigue me. I didn't want to buy into it for the potential that it had. I wanted to buy a product that was more useful at the time. And I already see that it's getting more useful. So so is it now worth the A, 50 extra dollars? <sighs> and with this if, this, and that caveat, I don't know. Would you, maybe you should wait on, more? Honestly, maybe I will wait. I, all I've done so far is asked to, requested an invite to repurchase, you know. So, and even if and when I get that, which could be, be weeks away for all I know, I know they're backordered for months, so maybe I just let it be. Um, see, a lot of this, and it's too early to say for sure, but a lot of this can actually be done right on my my new watch. I could just say, hey, Siri, and there's integrations there with a lot of these smart home type things already. So maybe redundant. Well, speaking of your watch, and hmm. we should go there for a brief moment, my sources are telling me that HomeKit may be longer in the coming than we expected. What? I know. I am expecting sometime in June that we should see something, but it's not the full on the full on rollout that we're expecting. It's it's much smaller. Mm. So so just throwing wonder, that out there. I you know that I'm gonna this may sound stupid, but that may, that doesn't terribly surprise me and here's why. I know HomeKit is a platform. However, I also know that Apple wants to make some of its own devices. And I think it's not just going to put the platform out there without its own devices. So if they're not ready, if Apple hardware isn't ready, I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement on third-party hardware support just yet. Well, we that means we've got a whole lot of waiting going on. So, uh, so get that Insteon gear up. And screw in those hue bulbs and we'll we'll see how that works for you. I can guarantee you that I will be able to screw in light bulbs by the time we have our next show because the light bulbs are on their way to my house. They are. They should be there tomorrow. Okay. So I guarantee you I will be able to talk about light bulbs and controlling them from my Apple Watch and other ways next week. Guaranteed. Excellent. Well, that's a good segue for us, Kevin. Because our next big news stories are lighting related. Right now in New York City is Light Fair, which I wish I were there. <laughs> I really do. I, I, yes, because everybody who has a light bulb is there. And y'all, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so couple big announcements from the show. There is a fancy, fancy pants lighting company that's actually based in Austin, Texas called Ketra. It has done something really cool. It has been hanging out for six years, actually, in stealth mode, hmm. serving the commercial market since about last year. They have an LED light bulb that it costs between 100 and 130 bucks per Yikes. bulb. So expensive, mostly for high-end residential and commercial markets. You can find it in auto dealers, MGM hotels, the Tiffany store in New York, the Art Institute of Chicago. The cool thing about these bulbs is the LED light inside, the semiconductor part, the LED, mm -hmm. it not only emits light, like a light-emitting diode, it also receives some of the light. Some of the receptors actually turn into sensors. So it self-tunes itself. It self-calibrates itself, which is kind of cool. So That the, is pretty cool. Yeah. So the light actually can be tuned to like different Pantone colors. And it, it checks itself throughout the day, basically, that it's still running along the right software program. So it's incredibly consistent and just kind of super fancy, apparently. All these other companies that have like tested it 
love it. I have I have seen it in a demo over a a computer, which is a terrible mm-hmm. way to evaluate. Like, <laughs> like, uh, yes, over my webcam, that light looks amazing. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I'm like. I, I- I'm intrigued, though, by the, the self-calibration and, and more smarts as opposed to just a radio for communications that's essentially a, a, a wireless switch, right? Putting in more smarts into these things makes them far more interesting to me. So we'll see. I'm actually going to pop by and check them out when they're not at Light Fair because they are in my hometown and mm-hmm. check out the quality of the light. And I will not be able to put them in my house. They guesstimate that it is going to be about a thousand bucks per room. So... Oh. Yeah. If you're feeling fancy, though, and you want to invest in these, you just pop them in. Let me know what you think, because I'm intrigued. They have some amazing software patterns, obviously. Everybody's got them. Which brings me to another announcement. GE, also the GE's lighting division, they announced a partnership yesterday, Monday, with Apple that they're going to bring out a new consumer light bulb that will work with HomeKit. It will be later this year. It is a tunable white light, which Mm. means it kind of runs up and down the white color spectrum. I love that because I've often bought bulbs without paying attention to the light or the white color. And I've gotten, uh, you know, either soft white when I wanted natural sunlight type bulbs or vice versa. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's very good. So I, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to go tunable, you might as well go all all in on full color. But it depends um, okay. on how much it depends on how much they cost i guess i mean yeah obviously it's all about cost in the consumer yeah. market um, i don't get out much so i like the sunlight type bulbs well in the ge will they're playing up their circadian rhythm their natural mm-hmm. sunlight thing you know the way they were playing it up though i was kind of like does no one else does no one else at ge realize that every other light bulb has a circadian rhythm pattern or do they oh, think yeah. this is new it felt very it felt very much like GE was very excited about stuff that people were excited about like a year and a half ago. I don't uh, know. Well, I mean, they have to sell their product. They got to build the hype just like everybody else. I don't really have a problem with that. You're so you're so generous. Mm-hmm. And they also did a deal with Qualcomm. GE was like all over this. They were like, lighting, we're on it. Uh, they did a deal with Qualcomm to put something that is not a beacon, but sounds just like a beacon in retail lighting. It's called... Visible Light Communication, VLC. Hmm. And basically, it uses the camera in your smartphone and then codes in the light. So the LEDs emitting information that can be read by an app that's running on a consumer smartphone. And this this app uses that to basically triangulate your position in the store based on the lights. And that tells the app where you are. So it's not a beacon, but it behaves like a beacon. And GE thinks this is amazing. <laughs> I think it's a little weird because I don't know if I'm going to be walking through the store with my phone out. The mm. technologist behind it said that, you know, they're still going to be using radios to pinpoint you in the store. And then the idea is if you're going to pull out your phone to look up for more information, mm-hmm. that's when it would pop up and sure. give it to you. Which is the perfect time to do so. Makes sense. But I'm still kind of like, uh well, I, I know so many things are vying for our attention now. And sometimes you don't want that. You just want to just want to go walk around in the store. And I don't want things pinging me all, all, all the time. 
Yeah. And he was like, this way it doesn't ping you because it won't know where you are. So I was like, oh, that's nice. He's like, so if you're standing in front of the toothbrush or the toothpaste aisle and suddenly you're like, there are 30 options here. Which one do I choose? Maybe you pull out your phone to research it and suddenly it says, oh, look, I see you're standing in front of the toothpaste. Do you want some more information? And then you could be like, why, yes, phone, I do. I don't know. I mean, in some ways, I'm like, oh, that could make sense. I just, mm -hmm. I don't know. So that's that's the kind of, that's how GE plans to take on lighting and make it awesome. And let's see, I think that's a lot of stuff. Do we have any other stuff? There's some, there's a little bit about Wemo. They re-up their If This Then That channel. Mm -hmm. um, the connected Cree LED bulbs that are so awesome and cheap, those now actually work with the Wemo system. So that brings... That means your Cree light bulbs will work with Philips Hue systems and with the Wemo system, which yeah. is a, yay. It's a nice way to get those. I think those light bulbs are like 15 bucks. Mm -hmm. So they're cheap, connected, and they work with lots of different systems. So go out and get some because yay. Why not? All righty. Well, this week we don't have a guest on the show given there's so much news and I'm trying to wrap up and figure out some editing things and getting the show on iTunes. Yay! Yay. So stay tuned for all of that and more. And with that, we'll call it a wrap and we will see you next time on the IoT Podcast.